Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. What's up, guys? Welcome to our final South by Southwest episode. We're bringing you Witch on Witch right now. We have two very different interviews with um, some really amazing women. First, we're going to hit you with musician Witch Prophet. And then we're going to talk about the film Witch Hunt with director and writer Elle Callahan. So uh, light your candles, burn some sage, because we're about to get real witchy on your ass. We are so excited to bring you Witch Prophet. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, and we have to give you a shout out because uh, your music video, Tess Faye, is uh, under the South by Southwest Midi- Music Video Competition. And wow, this this music video is, is everything. I think I just fell in love with it. But first, we want to know a little bit about you. Tell us where you're from, how, about your music career, how you got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my name is Witch Prophet. I'm a singer-songwriter. Uh, based in Toronto, Canada, um, originally born in Kenya with roots in Ethiopia and Eritrea. Um, I am, uh, uh, I guess the name Witch Prophet is pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Obviously I'm into magic and otherworldly things and um, I try to channel that um, belief in, through my music. Um, I create with my uh, partner and wife, Sun Sun, who, who uh, produced my last album, DNA Activation, which is like a sort of like an Ethio jazz, hip hop, R&B version um, of my life, which is just songs pretty much talking about every uh, major character in my life. So my uh, two sets of grandparents, my father, my mother, my sister, my son and myself. Um, with songs sung in um, English, Tigrinya, and Amharic. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, I, you know, I was listening to DNA Activation, and it's just, it's such a sexy album. I don't know how else to, to say it. It's just all, <laughs> it's just so reminiscent of just the R&B and the, you know, the music that I loved in the 90s and have really been craving, but but also with so many more layers. And I, I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. as, as an artist, are you able to listen to your music and really enjoy it in the same way that we can? Or or are you, you know, constantly taking notes and, and, and thinking of your how you should change and evolve from that? Oh, 100%. I'm the most critical person of all my music. <laughs> like, I'm listening to things. I listen to the album and I'm like, ah, that note. Or I'll listen to something and be like, I could have put a harmony there. Like, it's always a work in progress, um, even when it's already been released and nobody's asking for me to continue to work on it. But I'm just like, I gotta do something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty critical, but. Um, the the good thing is that again like I work with my wife and she has she's a good anchor to be like hey man look how far (laughs) we've come look how far you you have to go still and uh, 
and your sound is great. Like you gotta stop. Um, yeah, self sabotaging. She's whispering from the other side. <laughs> 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 <Self-sabotage. Yes. laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah, right. Well, so it's it's, it's good, perfection. Good. It's such a beautiful album. So she's absolutely correct. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, you you just touched a little bit on on your name, which profit, but I, I don't know. I think Ange and I are we're a little bit witchy. We're not like I'm not claiming to be a witch at all. But um, I want to know kind of your your witch path and, and and claiming it for yourself. Oh, well, um, I feel like I've, well, first of all, I feel like everybody is a witch and in, in the sense of like, we all have um, the ability to tap into um, an otherworldly realm, um, to tap into ourselves and to, um, use that energy that we find from those places to manifest things in, in, in this physical world. I think that everybody has the ability to do that. So that's really when I say like, which that's what I'm thinking of, not necessarily like what most people think of when they think of which, um, but really it's just the ability to um, control the world around you um, to, to help you uh, without harming others. And I think that everybody has the ability to do Mm-hmm. Um, but with me specifically, I, I grew up like, uh, reading lots of books and being kind of a nerd where I would, you know, I, I had friends, but I was always kind of like the nerdy one out of all the, the group of friends. Um, and I just remember, like, I think the first time I went into like an occult shop in Toronto, I, I must've been like 12 or something on my way to school. And I just kind of like stumbled in and was like, what is this store? And saw their like candles and like different things for like, they had like a money bath, which is just, it literally was just like salt for your bath, just green (laughs) (laughs) in a jar. (laughs) But like the idea of like, this thing will make me get money if I pour it in my bath, just like having that um, experience and being like, wow, there's other things other than, um, church because that's how I grew up Mm. like in a very religious Christian family Um, my grandfather on my father's side was a pastor my uncle were pastors like I grew up in the church and so it's like the opposite of where everybody else was expecting me to go Um, and I think also it was because uh, I'm really into dreams I've always had super clear very lucid dreams um and I never had an outlet to talk about that. Like, you don't talk about dreams at church. Like, you know, even like the idea of a vision, it's like, you can't say that unless you are like godly of some sort. Like who would believe a, a, a 10 or 11 year old person was having a vision through their dreams and being like this, I just had this dream and it came true, you know? So um, the occult shop and that other realm of, uh, that other world that I kind of stumbled into really opened my eyes to be like, wow, I, um, the church is not necessarily my direction. I, I like, I, uh, I believe in, in a, a, a string of truth that connects all religions together. But then I also think that there's a lot of other stuff all around um, to confuse people and to um, mm. mislead them. Mm. Um but with the word, with the name Witch Prophet, actually my friend Latasha, who's a rapper uh, based in LA, um, I would give her readings 
and she would always respond with like thanks witch prophet lady and I was like witch prophet lady <laughs> I kind of like that but I, I don't like the lady I was like the lady part's kind of weird like but I like witch prophet because I was going by Ayo Leilani um mm-hmm. before um and, the, and then I was like actually this makes more sense to like who I am like who I actually am as a as a person not just who I am as as a musician so um, I connected the two worlds together, I guess. That's great. Oh, yeah, I know. I, we could just talk about that. It's so interesting. I, I love it. Um, but and, and your music is is deeply rooted. Your culture is deeply rooted within your music. And um, this song, I want to get into Tesfe about mm-hmm. your grandfather. I, I would just I just want to hear stories about your grandfather. He sounds like a wonderful human being. Um, and, and can you talk about making this music video? Because it was so, so beautiful, really, really impactful for me. Um, yeah, so the song I, I wrote for my uh, grandfather on my mother's side. Um, so he was, he had a very interesting life. He started off as a sheep herder, very um, poor sheep herder in northern Ethiopia and the Tigray region of uh, Ethiopia, which right now is actually under um, really horrible civil war that's going on. I I won't go into that, but I will send you some um, links that people can, if they do want to donate or find out about it, um, they can go in that direction because I think, yeah, it's a horrible humanitarian crisis that's happening, but he he was uh, born and raised in, in the Tigray region and uh, as a sheep herder and then became a politician. Um, and then, um, you know, <laughs> got married and had um, five daughters. And uh, my, my uh, grandmother passed away um, while giving birth to uh, um, one of my um, aunts, I guess. Um, and so he ended up raising all of the kids. Um, mm. And he was a man who was really proud and who believed that education came first. And even though, you know, raising five women in, in Ethiopia in the 1960s, you would think that his focus would be, you know, um, uh, the, the ideals of like what a, of what a woman is supposed to be cooking clean, like don't, don't talk back, don't be too educated, you know. Um, whereas he was the complete opposite. He was like, don't you dare learn how to cook. Like my mom does not cook. I don't know how to cook because of this. Like my wife does all the cooking, but like she's Italian. So she's like, no, you got to know how to cook. So like, you know, so it's just, it's like there, his whole thing was like, I want you to be educated. I want you to put yourself first. Um, it's not about men. It's not about cooking. It's not even about beauty and, um, uh, ego. It's about being able to sustain your life and take care of your family. Right. And so obviously somebody who grew up dirt poor would recognize the value of education and being able to push yourself forward, um, with using that. So, um, my, my mother and her sisters were incredibly privileged and very lucky to be, um, uh, uh, raised by a man with, with values like that, you know, it could have gone somewhere completely different. Um, and I, I don't think I would be the person that I am today if my mother w- isn't the person that she is. So, and that's because of her father. So, um, yeah. And 
growing up, like uh, he, the, the strongest memory I have of him is always wearing three piece suits. Like it really didn't matter the weather, like head to toe, always wearing three piece suits because he believed that like, you know, it's not about for women. It's not for in, in his mind for women. It's not about like wear makeup, whatever to make beautify yourself. But he believed that clothes uh, were important, you know, even if it wasn't fat, uh, flashy to be clean, to be ironed, to look your best. Right. But he took it to a next step where he would wear three piece suits, the fedora hat. It would be like, you know, I don't know what the, the conversion is for um, weather over there, but I guess like 35 degrees would be really cold for you. <laughs> for us, yes. Celsius. I don't know yeah. what Fahrenheit is. <laughs> 108. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, it's like it would be 35 Celsius and, he, and people would be sweating and he would be there in a three-piece suit with his hat, taking a walk down the neighborhood, talking to everybody there. Um, you know, he like he was able to travel the world and see so much and learn so much and, and brought that swag back with him every time he came um, to visit uh, us in, in Toronto. And then even eventually when he moved um, to Canada, it just, he shined all the time. And so, um, but he was also a very secretive guy. So like I learned the most about him after his passing, you know, he, uh, so he, he kept a lot of secrets and, and, or he was a private person is a better way to say it. Um, so I learned the most about him when I, when he passed away, but when I was trying to think about what is my connection with him, not through my mom's memory, it's my connection is seeing how he's raised his daughters, the effects of that through me and also his suits and knowing to like dress your best <laughs> always, like always don't step out of the house unless you dress your best. And that just means, you know, feeling your absolute best, like suited up, like head to toe, feeling fine, you know? Um, yes. Yeah. And this, this video is a part of South by Southwest uh, music video competition. And I wanted to know um, about the choreography and the actual storyline in the video is, is beautiful. I loved, I loved so much of that video. Yeah. It's my favorite video. It made me cry when I watched it. I was mm, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Um, same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Leia Lemmix is the uh, director and she actually just hit me up on Instagram one day and was like hey I like your stuff I'd love to do a video for you and I was like that's fantastic I have no money for this video <laughs> that you would like to yep. do and she was like I it doesn't matter I still I just want to do it um will you trust me to do it and so I was like sure like I took a look at her um reel and was like yeah like you seem legit um and then we we talked back and forth and I I told her the stories of my grandfather and uh, she came up with the whole story idea to get these um, young actresses, but they're not even acting. They're, they're telling their true stories of their, of their fathers. Um, and this dancer, Olivia and Josh, the choreographer, um, they did that dance together. So Olivia and Josh, um, Josh is her dance teacher. So they're not actually related, uh, but the, they're family friends. Um, so okay. they were able okay. to um, uh, do this um, uh, choreographed dance together um, through the lockdown that was happening in Ontario, 
which is the province that Toronto's in. So um, during the lockdown, they just worked together. I guess I guess they must have been doing it through um, Zoom. Um, and I was just so amazed that the band skill, I was like, this is amazing. But so the storyline is that um, it's sort of like a, a, a documentary slash video. Um, so the beginning part is just, you know, talking about uh, the influence of, of father figures, uh, specifically black father figures, um, because that's something that's not really um, highlighted in the media uh, in a positive light. Um, so we were like, I think this is a, a, a good idea to have these girls talk about their fathers. Um, and then also um, to showcase to actually, so you see a, a black father, you know, a, doing their daughter's hair, making sure her dress looks nice, going out and having an intimate moment uh, where you're sharing quality time together. I'm going to cry. I'm such a baby. So, <laughs> it's just so sweet. It's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But like, um, yeah, but it, it really was like the, the idea was to be able to showcase this and to show that it's a natural thing uh, that happens. Not everybody's family, like definitely not my father. Like that's why this is about my grandfather. <laughs> but, but it is like, it is something that, that happens. And, and it, and it, and it, and showing joy and, and um, black, black love in that aspect, I think was something that I really uh, needed to share. And also I was really happy to share it when I saw everybody's um, reaction, just a lot of people writing me being like, I'm in tears. Um, this was so beautiful to see, like, I don't have a good connection with my father, but I wish I did. And, and if I did, I would want it to be like this. So it was, it was really nice. I'm, I'm so grateful for Leah and, and the entire crew because it was a huge crew that came out and, and did this during the pandemic. Um, it was filmed on um, my property. I live out on a, uh, on a farm um, just outside of the city with, with Sunsun, or my wife's name is Sunsun. Um, so yeah, I was just really surprised that so somebody would, write me and be like I really care about this and I care about sh showing your um your truth but also connecting it with other people and and really highlighting it the entire most of the crew were also like BIPOC people and it was just like it was a great experience and um having it be a part of South by Southwest is like <laughs> the craziest thing especially since I'm the only Canadian a part of the music um competition category wow. so I was like this is great like yeah so. well you you certainly made him proud with that music video um and we have to go unfortunately but I wanted to quickly talk about your label your music label Heart Lake Records mm -hmm. I love the work that you're doing the music that you're elevating so can you just tell our listeners about about Heart Lake yeah so Heart Lake Records is a label that I uh, co-founded with my uh, myself and my wife Sunset um, we uh, support and uplift uh, uh, LGBT, uh, two-spirited um, BIPOC artists, um, women, non-binary artists, um, as well as allies specifically. Um, our more focus is on um, R&B, hip hop and soul, but we really just wanna uplift and help everybody. 
um, really the idea of the label is to break down um, the blueprint of how to become a successful artist for the artists that we work with. So we're not the type of label that will just be like, we'll help you and not tell you what we're doing. We're showing you everything that we're doing and you're involved in the process so that you learn, um, you learn while, while being a part of something because just being signed means nothing. Like if you get dropped, you start at zero all over again. Um, mm -hmm. So we really believe in um, sharing uh, resources and knowledge with community. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We are so grateful to South by Southwest for introducing your music to us. Again, we've been talking to Ayo Leilani, AKA Witch Prophet. So thank you so much and congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We are back live at South by Southwest virtually, of course. We are here with director Elle Callahan from the film Witch Hunt. And um, can you do us a favor and introduce the film to our listeners, Elle? Sure. Um, well, it's kind of a fantasy drama and it's in a, a world much like our own in modern day America, but witchcraft is real and it is also illegal. So my film follows a family that um, works for a network works with a network of people that are trying to help women um, with magical powers which is escape uh, persecution in the United States um, and seek asylum in Mexico. Uh, I love how the beginning is set up because you can't always do this with films. Um, I love the definitions. Can you talk about the choice of using that um, when we first start watching the film? Um, well, I like to start my <laughs> films usually with a calling card of some sort. And, um, you know, the, the word witch hunt um, has been politicized so much um, and it is really a huge umbrella term now, but um, it, it got its roots in real witchcraft hunting. So um, I kind of like to remind you that, you know, yes, this movie is about an actual witch hunt, but, you know, maybe we'll think about some other stuff too, as we're watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so initially this film was slated to be part of 2020. And then, of course, the quarantine happened and everything shut down. So I have kind of a two part question. Were you tempted in that year? Like, oh, should I look back? Should I go back to it and, and fuss with it a little more? Or how has the story <laughs> evolved for you since then? Because I feel like a year later, it hits it hits even harder, this story. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, as a director, you always want to keep improving your work uh you know we kind of suffer from the creative curse as it may be where <laughs> when you start work on something by the time you finish it you're kind of you know you've gained so much experience that you're better than you're better at doing it than when you started so you want to kind of just do it again and but that kind of can go on forever so i um I like to be done with my films when i finish them and we finished it for south by southwest 2020 and then I did not touch it for a year, which was very hard. <laughs> <to do. laughs> but, you know, once you open that door, it's like you're just going to tinker with it until it just, you know, inevitably gets worse. So, um, but it was actually, um, having a year away from it was really great because I can now kind of watch it as an audience member rather than coming fresh out of the editing room and being like, I wish I did this or maybe we could have done that differently. Um, I kind of had some time to sit with it and now it's um, more of a movie to me 
than I don't know something of my own creation (laughs) uh you know, I, I was just doing a little Instagram perusing maybe. And I feel like your your kind of um your witch enthusiasm has has been a thing for a while. And I, I wondered if this story has just kind of been there and maybe you've been working on it for years, or it was just like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Well, I mean, I've I've been a woman in the horror genre for a while and um you know, there, there aren't many female monsters out there. Um, and so usually I just get loop, like kind of just like looped in with witches. And so I've just kind of grown to love them. I also grew up in New England and right. Salem was right nearby. So it was kind of something that was really ingrained in my upbringing um, was that kind of history. Um, and, you know, I mean, witches are just powerful women, whether that be a woman who's educated or, you know, living outside of the constraints of her religion or owning property or just living mm-hmm. longer than people think she should live. You know, the, the term is kind of <laughs> used for any type of woman that has power. Um, and I, I just like that, you know, and I, I really enjoy that now today, like the term, like we're kind of taking back witchcraft. Now it's like a seen as like a kind of artsy crystally good thing at least on california it is right um, there's a yeah um so I, I enjoy that and i really wanted to make a film about it and i needed to get it out of my system <laughs> yeah uh, on the topic of powerful women i, I want to get into this relationship between claire and fiona uh which i thought was really beautiful and and there's something you just reminded me of that really special bond that women can have with each other, especially in those integral years. Like I, I can think back to friendships, you know, in the junior high, high school, and, you know, they're so much deeper than, I, I don't want to say sexual, but maybe that was intentional as well to have a little bit of that too, but it's just, there's an intimacy there that you have with your friends, especially that in those ages where you're still figuring everything out. Um, can, can you talk about creating that relationship between the two of them and, and sort of just that gray area? Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, it was really important to me to write um, a relationship between two high school aged girls that may have started off a little abrasive, but that then moved into one of empathy and understanding because all of my relationships with other women that started in those years were so supportive and um, just like loving and but growing up, when I would see those kind of relationships portrayed on screen, it was always girls tearing each other down. And uh, it was it, it frustrated me. And I, I felt like the representation of, of those kind of like relationships on screen for, for girls wasn't accurate. Um, and so when I was writing, I wanted to, you know, Claire has her friends that can be kind of bullies but you know when you really get to the meat of it like her relationship with Fiona is you know really what I think true female friendship is and I think we should you know promote that in our stories and not the the old the old ways of bitchy bitchy girls (laughs) and speaking of casting I was watching the film (laughs) and I had to text and right away because I'm like oh my god one of your witches is Ashley Bell We've had her on the podcast talking about her film Love and Bananas a few years ago. So let's let's talk about casting. And um, 
I want to talk about how you casted Claire as well, but it was fun to see someone that we've already had on the show that is actually also a director. <laughs> um, yeah. So casting wise, it was basically like, I like to find um, actors that have share a passion for the project, you know, cause otherwise it's not going to be fun. Um, if it's just a job, then it's just going to be a movie, you know, it's not going to be an experience. Um, and Gideon and Abby both, were so enthralled with the script and also had such a connection to kind of witchcraft in general. Mm -hmm. um, Gideon is, is very entrenched in, in that kind of culture and she's very knowledgeable about it. And Abby, um, you know, had just gotten off of Sabrina. So it was um, kind of, you know, made to be, and they both had such a firm grasp on their characters and had, you know, new ideas and really wanted to bring themselves to the roles. Um, so it was kind of, you know, it just all fell into place. And I've, you know, I've been big fans of their work. So I was really happy when they responded to the script. Um, yeah, cause when you, when you do kind of films like that aren't, you know, huge tentpole blockbusters, like you really need everyone to be totally on board with what you're doing in order to make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just really happy to see a movie that, that deals with uh, feeling different, feeling mm -hmm. othered, you know, with as, mm -hmm. as children of, of immigrants, as women of color, you know, trying to be in a creative field. It really, I just really appreciated you telling the story that was relatable on a broader level. And I and also appreciate you uh, giving a safe space for more redheads to be on screen. Because <laughs> let's be honest, we don't see enough redheads on the big screen. We don't, either. yeah. And <laughs> Um, my sister, my sister is a redhead and she said that growing up, like she was like, there's never any redheads in any movies. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to put a ton of redheads in a movie and make them super powerful. So you can't complain anymore now. <laughs> oh, she was your muse. I love it. Yeah. yeah I named the characters <laughs> after her. Her name is Fiona Claire. So I named those kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of looked at it like you know, how does America treat others? And, you know, right now, I don't think we, I mean, and historically, we just don't treat unless you're, you know, a cis white man, you're not going to get, you know, treated super great. So um, I tried to create, you know, a group of others that was relatable, but, you know, also still a little like fantasy, you know, so like, so you can kind of understand, like the the concepts and what we're trying to say, but it's not like being shoved down your throat. You know, it's like very more like um, kind of like the themes are more woven in um, with the entertainment um, and kind of like, it's more of like an inception thing for, I'm hoping for, you know, our younger viewers. Yeah, and as we wrap up our interview, I wanted to ask, so South By's officially over, where else is Witch Hunt gonna go? I'm not sure. We're still figuring that out. I mean, the, the festival um, circuit right now is still kind of up in the air because, you know, some are virtual, some are trying to be in person. Yeah. I would love for it to, you know, play um, somewhere to uh, an audience in a theater, but, you know, we want it to be safe. Um, um, so we're just kind of figuring out what it's going to look like. Um, but I do like the the online aspect because you know more people can see it and at the end of the day like that's all I I want for my film is for people to be able to see it and hopefully enjoy it and um 
Hopefully get a little spooked along the way. <laughs> I no, jumped. I jumped. I did too. Times. I'll just put it there. You didn't call it a thriller when you were introducing it, but I jumped multiple times. So. I guess it's just yeah. to, me, to me, it's like more of a fantasy drama. Um, I think it's just because I, I write more uh, straight horror films that in my mind are more terrifying where for me, this turned out more like delicate and I loved, mm. I loved what it became because I kind of, you know, I set out to write a horror film and I ended up with this kind of like beautiful drama, <laughs> which yeah. uh, with some scares in there because, you know, you got to have those. I, I always love those, but I really liked what, how it turned out and I'm really excited for more people to be able to see it and um, enjoy it. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that you just talked about the festivals being online and being more accessible. I think mm-hmm. we've been, this is our third or fourth of the year so far. And obviously they've all been um, online, but I, I feel the same way. I think we're all kind of like, of course you want to be there in person, but we get to talk to so many other people at this point and, and people from all around the world, really. Um, not that that wasn't happening in person. It's just a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that in the future, maybe when the festivals go back to being in person, they keep some aspect of the online um, viewing because yeah, it does allow the films to be viewed by a lot more people and like lots of different places, especially like the short films. I feel like that would really be um, advantageous for them. Well, I, go ahead. Yes. Well, I I hope for the sake of witch hunt, it does make it to a big screen at some point because it's beautiful. We didn't even get into that. It's just, it's such a beautifully shot film, the colors, the the scenery. I mean, I, I was imagining seeing it on a big screen while I was watching it. So fingers crossed. Maybe we'll go to like a drive-in or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Really fun. (laughs) We did. We went to a drive-in for a festival, for a different festival. It's such a great idea. Yeah. Fingers crossed any big screen for this film, especially. Yeah. The one thing about all of this is like, I just miss going to a theater and watching a film, especially a thriller drama. Um, Love being scared in a theater. Yeah. It's one of those things I I always, I sit in the, at least for my films, I'll sit in the back and because I like to watch people squirm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get to do that. (laughs) You're that person. Yeah. (laughs) Let's dive deeper into why. Why you like this on my channel. Give me some more time. (laughs) We can call my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Write it down. Write it down. Topical. Topical. Yeah. (laughs) So um, we've been speaking with Elle Callahan, who is the director of Witch Hunt from South by Southwest. And so happy to have you on the show. Come back to Bitch Talk whenever you want. Great. I love it. Love the name, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This was Witch Talk. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. <laughs>